Well, welcome to you all today. Um, for those, our service is a little different because as well as coming into worship, we're going to spend some time today honouring one of our own or focusing on one of our own. One of our more long-standing members actually joined the church, I believe, in 1978 and 40 years on is still working hard for the Lord and that's part of what we're doing today. Um, we're focusing on him because uh, he's taking a new direction and well, it's not a new direction. He's going further in a direction he's been going for many years actually and that's what it is. But, um, but even as I say that, you know, it's Bruce Billington. I know that he's already wincing. He's wincing because he actually doesn't mind being in the spotlight at all as long as he's preaching, teaching, lecturing, chairing committee, ministering or praying. But not if you're going to talk about him. He doesn't like that at all. But anyway, but we're honouring him today. And part of that, I just want to honour the people who have come and just welcome Carl and Carla and your family. Also Matt and Marie and uh, your children. See them all lined up there. Matt and Marie again. There's another one. I just welcome you as well. So welcome to you as you come this morning. Well, look, it's a great honour and a privilege for me this morning. Uh, as part of the eldership team here at Lane Park Church to really honour Bruce Billington. Uh, as Bruce alluded to, Bruce McKivitt alluded to, Bruce has never been one to make known his exploits. He keeps it under the radar. And uh, he's a secret spy. He's our mission to the world secretly, so no one can tell what's going on. But when I think of Bruce, I think of Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, For we are God's workmanship, or if you like, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another version or another, another passage says that God is in work in us to will and to work his good pleasure. And when I look at Bruce, I see something of the handiwork of God going on in his life and in the things that he has desired to achieve, the things that have propelled him on and caused him to seek after God with everything he's got. He's not a man who has been lazy when it comes to the things of God. From the moment that he came to faith, it's been a, a desire of his to give everything he has to the ways of God. And uh, we are greatly appreciative of that. Because he's kept most things under the radar, you have, Bruce, haven't you? It's been easy for us to take for granted the gift of God that's among us. Not to overlook him, but not to understand what God has called him to and the gift that has, God has put on his life and the calling. Only heaven truly knows the extent to which Bruce has devoted himself to being a faithful follower of Jesus and to seeking to live out the calling of Christ on his life. Kerry and I first met Bruce and Vanessa over lunch at Hudson's Place back in, oh, 1980, I think it was. I was a young fella. I had lots of hair at the time, good looking. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, I had a wife to match, uh, who's still good looking, by the way, and has a head, head of hair. <laughs> Unbeknown to us at the time, that meeting was the start of a lifelong friendship. And a commitment to live life together, to walk through life's hardships and difficulties, and to face the consequences of what it really means to live in a world that has fallen, 
and to know that God holds us in his hands, as Ron and Misty have mentioned, that you know, God doesn't forsake us when we go through difficulties. He doesn't leave us when we face hardships or, and we, when we face loss. And when we don't understand what life is dishing up, God is always there in the midst of it. He holds our hands. He, he walks closely to, with us in those times. We feel his presence probably more real in those times than ever before. And so Bruce and Vanessa and Kerry and I have journeyed together through those years of hardship, but also great joy. And then, of course, as when Linda came on the scene, we were able to extend the love of the family to her and to embrace her uh, and uh, the strength that she brings to, her, to, to Bruce and to his calling on their lives together now has been a great joy. Along with Bruce's business involvements, and they've been quite, they've been quite impressive, and I'm not going to go into them, but Bruce has been heavily involved in church and ministry. For 25 years, he served tirelessly as an elder here at Lane Park Church and Christian Fellowship in Upper Hutt. And in recent years, he's given himself to oversight to the eldership to help keep us on track. And boy, we've needed it. Uh, <laughs> he has been a constant source of inspiration and insight, challenging us to live life in a way that is not only pleasing to God, for ourselves, but seeks to invest in the generations to come. I, I really appreciate that Bruce is not just a one-generational thinker, not just thinking how does it apply to him and his life, but how do we bring another generation? How do we bring our children and our grandchildren and the generations to come to follow in God's footsteps, follow in our footsteps and follow after God of all their heart? And the testimony today is seeing some of the grandchildren isn't that? It's a great testimony. Children and grandchildren have chosen to walk in God's ways. He is always available to encourage, to advise, and to rebuke when necessary. Just recently, he relinquished his role on paid staff here at Lane Park Church and as chairman of the board of trustees and the staff and property management portfolio that he carried. Because he's, this season of his life opens up some new opportunities. You know, I, I referred last, last week to one of the great inspirational, aspirational things that Bruce did back in the 80s. And uh, I think it was a part of the calling that he's largely let go, but it was in terms of his ballet dancing debut at Lane Park Church. He turned up in a tutu, and well, the rest can be said. Fortunately for us, or unfortunately for him, health and safety um, stepped in, and they were concerned about his health and safety actually after that performance, and I think they discouraged him from going any further, but uh, it was a great opportunity to see that not only is he a man after God's heart, he also carries something of, a, of the, I don't know, the life and the enjoyment and the joy of being alive, of being a Christian, that you can do those sort of things with great abandonment, knowing that God has called you to fulfill his life in you in any way you can possibly do so. It's just, it was absolutely wonderful, and we loved you for that, Bruce. We love you that you uh, saw fit. 
to engage with us in that way. Bruce's uh, season now, over the years, Bruce, of course, has been involved in teaching and in preaching and mentoring and uh, standing with people, walking through their difficulties and hardships, always being willing to give an ear, always willing to, to stand with them. But he indicated last year that he is going to be taking on a, a certain different role, uh, still doing a lot of that stuff, but uh, a lot of his, um, his future work is going to be involved in developing... Uh, the mission aspects that he's been involved in overseas. As you know, he's been in, involved in overseas for a number of years and he wants to develop that. Uh, he wants to, uh, of course, complete his master's in, um, in theology, which is a fantastic aspiration to have and no doubt a great work and uh, a, a big challenge, but a, a wonderful opportunity for him to do. His wisdom and insight has taken him overseas, and he's seen many leaders raised up and mentored, and churches planted and equipped to carry and demonstrate the message of God's kingdom through every aspect of life. Not only has he done his Bachelor's of Theology, but he's also written a book, and I would recommend you grab hold of that book. It's fantastic. It's a great introduction to what Bruce carries in his heart and what he believes is uh, uh, God's calling on each one of our lives. Uh, and so for this next season of his life, Bruce, we want to stand with you. The eldership are committed, not only to supporting you spiritually, but also to encouraging you financially in the role and the, and the call that's on your life, but in the desire that you have to impact this world with the message of the kingdom. And it's a great joy today to be able to commission Bruce later on in this service and to really just set him aside as a missionary of Lane Park Church, to recognize that he's been called to do this work, but we're standing with him and we're sending him out to make an impact. So what Bruce does overseas, or whatever Bruce does, he goes with our blessing, he goes with our sense of call, our sense of, of, uh, of sending him, and our sense of standing with him and knowing that this is not just Bruce, but this is a community of Lane Park Church who are standing with him, seeking to endorse everything that God has called him to do and to be. We will do that later on in this service, but in the meantime, Bruce, would you like to come up? Please put your hands together for this dear brother of ours, this co-worker, this wonderful man, and I just want to pray for you, my brother, this morning as you Peter, bring the message. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for Bruce. We thank you for what he means to us. We thank you that you've put a call on his life, Lord, that nothing can quench, regardless of health or regardless of wealth or regardless of anything that he walks through. We thank you, Father, for the call on this man's life, and we pray you release him to everything that you've got for him in the days to come. We ask it in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. 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 Well, uh, yes, please. Thank you so much, <coughs> Peter. For your very kind words, I love. I'm actually, those who know me, I am actually one of the world's most introverts. I love to be up the back row hiding, but uh, I love being public when I'm speaking unless I'm asked to speak about myself, which I have to do a little bit of today. But uh, So I just want to thank you all. For that, but what I really am, which I'll talk about mostly, or what I mostly am, is a product of this community. 
and uh, listening to Ron and Misty share this morning. Thank you, guys. Having been through all of that with the passing of my first wife, Vanessa, uh, in 2010, uh, God was amazing. I could call, uh, talk all day about that. But mostly the way God reached out to me was through my family and to them was through this church congregation. And um, that's why I get quite blunt or direct when I hear people criticizing the church and for what it is. And uh, so I am going to talk a little bit about what I mostly do overseas and what I'm involved in. And thank you for the great honor, which I will do uh, later in the message. But uh, my actual passion for a mission began in, in 1981 when a group of us, is Trevor Salisbury here? Yeah, Trevor was one of them. Uh, a, a group of us went to India with a, an organization called Reach Out for Christ, uh, which was primarily Australian-based. And we were over there for three weeks and had an amazing time. And during this time, I really experienced with absolute amazement the power of the Holy Spirit. We were out in all sorts of situations praying for people. It was noisy. It was often on the streets. At nights, it was in the big congregation and seeing just phenomenal healings and deliverances and stuff. And it gave me a hunger for that, which I still carry today. I will never, till the day I die, stop doing that. I made a commitment to God, and you all know this, so I'm not going to repeat a lot of things I said, that I will pray for anybody, anywhere, anytime, on planes and hotels and airports, anywhere I am, and I've done it, and uh, will continue to do it. So we saw the power of the Holy Spirit, and my cry, I know Trevor and others coming back, was, we don't want this just for India, this is our God. We want it for New Zealand. We want it for the streets, for the churches, for the families, for community. And we're still going after it. Amen. We're never going to let that go. Amen. We want to see the power of God touch lives. So we did that. So then three years later, Hudson Salisbury, who him and Joan were the founders of this church, uh, went together to Malaysia for three weeks. And we ministered in many places, including a Bible college in the jungle um, in that area. And they had a generator, which they ran for one hour a day just to keep their fridges going and some of the food stored. The rest of the time, we had to suffer for the heat. And I came back so passionate about Malaysia, which is where I spend a lot of time these days, and so passionate about it, just being overseas and being pursuing cultures and people in all walks of life. And um, the die was cast for me, although it wasn't until 1992 that I actually uh, left my business, the service station, and began to minister overseas. And I began to travel to many countries, mostly as a guest speaker, speaking at um, gatherings and congregations and Christian business meetings. And then in 1995, God spoke to me and said, I want you to stop spending and start investing. Now, I didn't have a bank full of money, so I knew he wasn't talking to me about money, but I knew what he meant. He was saying, don't just be a conference speaker. 
develop people, disciple people, get key leaders into key places and key organizations. And so that's mostly what I've been doing over the past 30 years and are going to be very strongly focused on for however many years God gives me that I'm fit and able to do that. So my focus primarily became Asia uh, and using Singapore as a hub to bring leaders in from many other Asian countries. And this has grown rapidly now in places like Hong Kong, China, Indonesia, Malaysia, obviously, and uh, so much so that we're in the process with a small team setting up a Go Strategic office in Singapore, which I will oversight, just so we can continue to reach out to the other nations there. So some places I go are able to cover my costs. They are fine financially, but other places are desperately poor and they will never be able to do that. So we, through an organisation which is a registered charitable trust here, which I set up in the early 90s, we uh, fundraise to cover airfares and expenses which enable us to be able to work in those areas. And when finances permit... I take Linda with me, who mainly operates in a very valuable prophetic gift and also operates in helping look after me and keeping me on track. And uh, I am also, as much as I can, bringing my family. Just delightful to have all my family here uh, this morning. Thank you guys for all being here. And by the way, also many, many dear friends. Uh, It's just such a joy. So... When we're overseas, what do we do? Well, one of the things in some of the areas, we sleep in some strange places. There's all sorts of strange happenings and things going on around us. But um, one of the places I stay in Madagascar, there's this rooster next door. And he wakes up every morning at 3.30 a.m. For those of you that know anything about roosters, they don't crow at the crack of dawn, which everybody tells you. They start crowing about two hours before. So he thought he could disturb me, but see, what he didn't know is I, when I was brought up, my father's backyard was a poultry farm. I've had roosters crowing in my ears right from a little baby, so I was well trained for that. So I used to laugh at him when I got up and heard, because he'd keep all the rest of the people in the house awake, but not me. I slept like a baby. So there's lots of fun things that we do, but mostly what we do is primarily the door opens when we get invited to speak um, and at conferences and organisations and through that we meet leaders and once they find out what else we can offer, normally we will connect, go in, visit their places, businesses, churches, whatever and implement the area of um, training and discipleship. So We establish or support churches and businesses and then empower people to minister back into whatever needs of the community that they're able to do. And we offer mentorship and programs and schools and and training and the opportunity to network with other like-minded leaders from all over the world. One of the key things that's been a very strong emphasis for me is the fact that we build with local leaders. It is never our work. I have no work, no church, nothing that I own overseas. We demand they become independent. They cannot join us. 
We demand they become local. We sort out, seek out the local leaders. We train them, establish them, get the right people around them, and then say, this is yours, and in the right time, we move ourselves to the background and offer mentorship and oversight. We don't abandon them ever, and I have Skype calls every month with leaders and these places from all over the world, but it's got to be their work. Asians have got to do Asia. Africans have got to do Africa. Kiwis have got to do New Zealand. It doesn't work any other way. And we've worked with this model for over 30 years now, and it's not without its problems, but it's been extremely successful as a model that the local people build the local works in Christ. And that is so important. So as a result, we are connected. I have just a very small team, but of course I connect with leaders in all the places that I go to. We also run two schools, part-time study schools. They go over two years. One's a biblical worldview school called Go Life. It used to be known as SLT, and over 100 people in this church were graduates of that school. My son, Carl, and my daughter-in-law, Carla, took it over in 1995 and ran it in New Zealand and Australia for 10 years. That's still going. It's still very strong. It's it's still going in various countries all over the world. Um, The other school is a business leadership school, which some of the folk here are graduates of, and that trains people in business or key leadership roles in the business world and to be leaders in their field. I have a huge passion for business. It's part of my upbringing in life. So we focus on doing business God's way. And we have just released a third school, which is on public policy and community development. And that has now been run with a group of students as a prototype right now. And we have folk from New Zealand that have signed up for that. So what probably, and I'm sorry I don't have a flash PowerPoint to put up. We are developing all of that. We are developing or developing our website, which I wouldn't refer you to right now, but Joe Booth here is going to be working with us and doing an amazing job on all of that. So one day it will look really smart. Um, my family, actually, my son and my son-in-law are amazing at doing that stuff, but unfortunately, they just say, go away, Dad, we're too busy. No, they don't really say that. But um, So they will help me, I'm just telling them right now, uh, develop a nice PowerPoint we can put up about what we do overseas. Get ready, guys, I'll be around straight after lunch today. But um, the main thing I can tell you about which will interest you, I don't want to bore you, is that I'm responsible for developing works right now in Madagascar and India, Indonesia, areas of China, as well as Malaysia and Singapore. And again, developing leadership and leadership roles. And these are the main areas that we seek support for. And I know the emphasis always gets back to finance. We know without money, we can't do anything in this society. But for me, and it's already come out in the meeting this morning, for me, the thing we covet most is prayer. Without prayer, guys, we can't do anything. 
and Ron and Misty have shared about that this morning. We cover everywhere people to pray for us and what you're doing. Often when you're out there doing it, you're tired. Often when I set some time aside to pray, I sleep on my bed. And you just don't pray enough. And it's wonderful to know that people back home are supporting that. So I should speak briefly about Malaysia. Uh, we work with an amazing group in East Malaysia and a place called Kota Kinabalu, which is a third world country. The term third world, by the way, has just about been removed. People, countries don't like being referred to in that way, so we don't use that term much anymore. Uh, normally the term we'll use is underdeveloped countries. So just a point for you if you're overseas or talking about that. So my wife Vanessa and I established a church there in 2003 and it's flourished. Wonderful local leaders. They've actually, the leaders have been down here. And a few years ago, we were able through the church to take over a Christian school. And amazingly for a Muslim country, it's registered with the government. It's legal. They don't care so much about East Malaysia. They see the people over there as poor cousins. They would have divorced themselves from it because it's a separate place, except it's too rich in minerals and resources. But they poured nothing back into that area. And so they let us set up the school under the Christian terms and a complete Christian curriculum. The only thing we're required to do is teach the, the kids Malay. They have to learn Malay, the local language. So now we have 80 students in that school, right from 5 to 15, and it's flourishing. And uh, so we have the opportunity to change, train the next generation of people in the ways of the Lord. Also, amazingly, uh, we've been able to provide employment for many people from the church in there in a place where employment's hard to find and wages are very poor. So that's been wonderful. So, in summing up, currently in Asia, we now have over 150 graduates from our schools. We put pressure on them to come back in and work with us and, and take their own groups and continue to take students, which they are. We have about 80 students waiting to come in uh, on a waiting list, so I'll be working a lot up there. And they're coming in from China, Hong Kong, Thailand, Malaysia, India, Singapore, and for those areas, um, I think I can say this here. I think it's fine. I'm not going into China. They've asked me not to because although what we're doing there is above board, they said you will shine a light on the leaders and help identify the key leaders. You'll be safe. You'll be fine. But it could be terrible for them after you go home. So we use funds to help bring many of the Chinese people out to our schools and then they go back into their own country. So that's the one place I'm, I'm not going in the Asian area. So a lot more I could say about all that. Um, maybe I'll get the opportunity or maybe it'd be great to share just with interested people. I don't want to um, bore you with this. But I do want to say this, not with any malice at all. But in, I don't talk much about myself ever. I've got better things to talk about and I'm more interested in other people anyway. But in the times past, most of my work overseas was never recognised by this church. And the reasons are complicated. It was not through ill feeling in any way. I was part of this eldership for such a long time. 
It was just difficult for previous eldership teams, nothing to do with the current teams, to embrace what I was doing because the mission work was not established through this church. It was all established outside and through my own connections outside and in other places in the world. So for 30 years, I have pretty much lived two different lives. Don't worry, Linda, you're not going to hear any, any bad news. Um, I won't go there. I was nearly going to go off track. I won't do that. Uh, but I've lived two different lives, one which is when I've been home with my various leadership commitments and church roles and running my consultancy business, and the other unrelated one when I was away, which is off, was often around 20 weeks, nearly half of the year. And this was disappointing to me, but it's just the way it was. And incredibly, Linda and I were talking about this after Christmas, and you know, we were just talking about 40 years here and the highlights and, and everything that had uh, happened. And by the way, Linda hasn't done 40 years here. She'd try and claim she wasn't even born at the start of that. Uh, she can talk to you about that later, but she has been here a while. But I'm not one to live with regrets. There's too much out in front of me. There's too much good things happening around me. I'm a Psalm 16 person. Psalm 16 says, surely my lot has fallen in a fair place. I'm a Psalm 16 person. I'm amazed at what God has done. But the one thing I did share with Linda, I said, you know, if there was anything I would regret over 40 years, I was sad that my mission work was never recognized by this church. End of discussion, plenty to do, on with life, or so we thought. Probably three days later, Bruce McKevitt rang me. And to our amazement, it was like he had bugged the room. Now, I've had a look. I've checked behind picture frames and everything. It doesn't seem he has. He's a clever guy, but it doesn't seem he has. But it seemed like he had bugged the room where he repeated exactly, almost word for word, what I'd been saying to Linda, and he said that on behalf of the elders, he wanted to know if I would consider making my mission endeavours part of Lane Park Church's mission outreach. Well, we were stunned. We were at Linda as my witness. I was just floored. I also got frightened because I realised again, God listens to every single word we say. In fact, if you want to get worse, as you all know, he knows our thoughts before we think them. But I I did clean up my speech for a few days after that, suddenly being aware that God is listening into every conversation. Although we may not always be aware of it, he intensely cares for us. He numbers the hairs on our head, easier for him with some of us than others, but he does that. He's passionately involved in every aspect of our life. He really cares for us as our Father. So that really encouraged me. And so God has, re- has brought about now through the eldership here the one thing that I always wanted and never had here, and I still can't believe it. And I want to tell you there was healing in that for me. I don't want to overstate this, but healing came immediately as a result of that.
You see, whatever else I am, and I, I am saying this here to all of you, many that I've known for so long, I'm a product of this church. I've attended my first meeting here as an atheist. I was very prominent as an atheist, and you know my story. I was out in the streets. I was at meetings, preaching to open-air campaigners' meetings, preaching to people in the Jesus movement, why there is no God, and why what they are following cannot be true, cannot be right. I was actively involved in that. And I came to the first meeting after my wife had come to the Lord and Hudson Salisbury grabbed me by the arm and said, young man, I was young then, 28 years old, uh, you have been an enemy of God, go home and repent. And yeah, it's a bolt of fear went through me. I went home, excused myself from my wife and Carla Marie, my kids that were there, went into the bedroom, threw my face on the floor and had an encounter with God. And I was terrified. It was not a nice, lovey-dovey Jesus whom I confronted. And I had an encounter with God. And that began here. And... I got up off the floor knowing that God was for real and I wanted him more than anything else. It was here at this church that I was trained. I was discipled. I was pastors. I was taught the word of God. I was taught what the Christian faith was and what it required of us. It is through here that I met Dennis Peacock, who I have traveled the world with constantly. Dennis is my mentor, and it's mostly his organization which I helped establish that I work with overseas. It was here that our children, Carla and Marie, were raised and taught the things of the Lord. Thank you, Jenny Harris. Is Jenny here? She's probably, still, probably out with the kids. I know she still does that. Do you know Jenny has done nearly 40 years here working with kids? And you talk to Carla Marie, both who are here, my son and daughter today, about Jenny's input into their lives. So it was here that our children were raised. It is here I learned the power of prophecy as prophetic words were spoken over my life. In 1981, uh, a prophet came here from overseas, Steve Hepton, which many of you would know, stood me up in the meeting and said, you are going to take the message of the kingdom of God out to the nations. I thought, what? You're joking. I didn't even know what the message of the kingdom of God was, truly. And it never happened till 12 years later. The second word was, go home and prepare. It's not for now. And so it was 12 years later that that began. In 1999, I got laid up with a reoccurring shoulder and a injury but it was really bad and they said it was too close to spinal areas to operate so they were told I was told I would never travel again Vivian Salisbury God bless you Vivian came when I was laid up on the couch to my house and said I have a prophetic word for you and gave me a most stunning detailed word of what God had for me for the future I still live by the formula in that word. Thank you, Vivian. Stunning word. Within one month, I was back on the planes traveling. Amazing. The word brought healing to me. 
it healed the area in my shoulder. It's not completely healed. It's all messed up, but it doesn't affect me much in life. And so the word brought healing. The word put me back on track. The word got me connected again with God's purposes for my life. Stunning, accurate, guiding light to me still to this day. Don't let people ever tell you that church is not relevant. It's Christ's bride, and he honors that. And all Christ is going to do before the end of the age, according to Ephesians 3, will be done through his church. So, although I admit that God has done amazing things through my life, I do admit that all that makes, makes, makes me is a testimony to what an ordinary person passionately connected to God and passionately connected to family and passionately connected to the biblical community of people can do and what Jesus will do to all those people who put their hand to the plough. The only thing I can claim is that from the moment I've encountered God, I've never left him alone. I've annoyed him ever since. And I still am. I want to know you more. I want to experience more of your power. I want to see more lives touch. I'm crying out for this every day. I'm in pursuit of him and nothing will ever stop me. And despite that, as you know, my journey hasn't always been easy. You've all been on it with me. And there's been disappointments, challenging times, all sorts of other things. Plus, I live a way of life I would never have chosen. And don't worry, I'm getting to finish up. God arrested me when I was taking my wife and my two beautiful kids to Alaska to live. Had a job offer there. I was going to be a hunting guide, and I was going to live off grid for the rest of my life. I would have achieved it, guys. I would have achieved it. To whatever disaster, I don't know. But... I got saved when I'd booked the airfare for my first exploratory trip with this company that had offered me the job. And a friend of Hudson's called Don Cordwell came and had dinner with us and he said, what are you doing, Bruce? And I'd come to the Lord then. I said, off to Alaska, sick of this world and this life, taking my kids. And he was a wonderful, kindly old man. He looked at me and he said, Bruce, I don't think God would have you do that. I said, oh, yeah, no, 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 it's all done. I've sold my business. I was still there. I hadn't got the money yet. I said, I sold my business. I've booked the plane tickets. Well, it's all done. Okay, he said, all right, okay. I just don't believe it, but that's okay. So the next day I go to work, and the guy comes down to see me and says, look, I know we have a contract for your business, but my wife is most unhappy about it. Would you release me? So that was a sale of the business down the drain and everything else, praise God, changed since. But I love my home. I don't enjoy travel. I love what I do when I'm away. But I love my home. I love my kids and my grandkids. I just love being with them. And so none of those things I would have ever changed. I used to pray, and God hears my every word, God, if you love me, don't make me a leader. I had no desire. Now, I love being a leader. I'm grateful to the people we can influence in Christ by being a leader. I prayed that time and time again. God, if you love me, don't make me a leader. But here we are. We, not just me. Here we are. 
And he alone is worthy of praise. He alone is worthy of greatness. I am, by the way, I'm finished, guys. I got invited to speak at a big conference down in Christchurch. And Frankie Stevens, how many of you know who Frankie Stevens is? Okay. Well, Frankie Stevens, his name is Francis Stevenson. And Frankie and I grew up together. We're really close friends. And Frankie's dad worked for my father for two or three years. So we knew one another well. So we were down and they called us down on this Saturday afternoon to do all the sound checks for the meeting which was in the Christchurch Town Hall. So Frankie and I had a great time together, a lot of fun together, did all the sound checks and everything like that. And as we were leaving and walking away, he yelled out and said, yelled out, hey, Bruce. And by then I was about halfway across the school when I turned around and he said, you and I haven't done too bad for two bogans from Upper Hutt. (laughs) There you are, see what Christ can do. That's all we were, honestly, that's all we were. And the Lord has done amazing things. So as we move into a different season of our life, and Linda obviously is part of all this, as are my family that are here today, I want to say to this church, you raised me. You invested in me. You cared for me. You loved me. You walked with me through difficult, difficult times. And you believed in me and what Christ had done. And I want to say in your, the offer today, you could not have given us a greater gift. We are deeply honored. So to the elders and all of you here, I want to say thank you so much. It means more than I could ever say. And my call to every believer is always the same. Come and be part of something called the kingdom of God. It will take you way beyond yourself. It'll take you into your design as a person. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, don't leave this place. There's wonderful people here who will share with you without making a commitment to him. He will show you what a true calling and purpose for life really is. Thank you very much. God bless you. I just get you to come this way, Bruce, and Linda too. Yeah. And the elders, and also his family, come around too, would you? And as we pray in commission, Bruce, just, yeah, would you all stand with us as we pray? Father, I just really thank you for this watershed day in the life of our church. Lord, we're just immensely grateful for this giant that you've put in our midst. And we, Lord, today we say more, Lord. We say more that, um, Lord, we thank you that he's going to be uh, going out um, as our missionary. And, Lord, we just say that greater things um, in the future, more fruit, Lord, more fruit. But, Lord, for 
our own selves, we say that this is our direction, this is us, this is our heart, that we should reach out to our community and to the world and tell them that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is available and that they need to come and be saved. Thank you, Lord. We commission Bruce by um, the power invested in us and we say, Holy Spirit, light his way. Go before him and um, take care of him and bless him with abundant fruitfulness in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that uh, you'll be with their comings and goings. Father, that you will protect them, you'll keep them safe, uh, you'll give them a place to stay, give them a, uh, people around them that would support them and love them. And, and uh, we know that you are sending them because you've got people to reach. We pray you'll start working on those people now. And, and uh, we pray that through Bruce and the team, Father, that uh, they will come to know you. Father, there will be uh, great fruit from this, great lives. Uh, even people that would be atheists that uh, would hear Bruce's testimony and, and uh, come to serve uh, the creator of the universe, Father. So uh, guide their footsteps, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we give you thanks for Bruce and for Bruce amongst us, Lord, for all he's brought, Lord. Um, we may have trained him, but Lord, he has trained us as well. So many countless sermons, Lord, he's delivered as he's striven, Lord, to, to impart your truth to us, this community, and to go from there. So, Lord, I want to thank you for the blessing he's been to us and the, the privilege of having him as part of our church community. And Lord, as, as he goes, Lord, we do pray that it will be fruitful time, Lord, that, he would, that you would, he would go in power of the Holy Spirit and mighty things would happen, Lord, as he goes. And yeah, bless him and Linda together as well, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Bruce, just as I lay my hands on you, I just sense God say uh, this word, you ain't seen nothing yet. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are a God who continually surprises us with what you do. That you're a God who opens doors, Father. That you're a God who changes hearts. Lord, you're a God who makes ways where there is no way. Lord, that you, you prepare a highway in the midst of the desert. And we pray, Father, as we lay our hands on this man now, Lord Jesus, that you continue to equip him. So he may see things he hasn't seen yet. That in his spirit, Father, you would release to him new vision, new hope, new plans and purposes. That in his heart, Father, he may see that staircase of heaven coming down. And he will hear the call, go this way, walk this way, take this pathway. Father, we want to thank you that you've equipped this man for the future. Lord, to take what, he's, what you've planted in his heart and to release it into the nations of this world. And we release him into all that you've called him to today. In Jesus' precious name, we commission him in the name of the Lord of hosts. We thank you that all heaven stands of this commissioning today. We thank you that the angels surround him, Father. We thank you that the Spirit of God goes out across this, this, this planet seeking those who want to walk in your ways. And Father, we thank you that he has uh, tied himself 
to Bruce and to Bruce's heart and his call. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bruce, I just want to say that just as we went to pray for you, I just saw like an apricot kernel that had been opened or like a walnut that had been opened, like it had two halves to it. And I believe that today, as as we commission you, it's the bringing together of two halves of your lives and that the two will no longer be separate, but they will be connected together. And that out of that, out of that continuity of your life will be a fresh freedom to function that there will be a release of that, that two lives that you've lived and, and the passions that you've followed. And instead, the two will come together as the two parts of that kernel are brought back together and glued together seriously, never to be cut apart again. And we pray that that will bring healing, that will bring life, and that will bring new energy to you in your ministry with yourself and Linda as you go out into the nations of the world, that you will always know you have a home that you will continue to function in all that you are and all that you've been to us, but there will just be a freshness and a lightness and, a, and just an adventure ahead of you, we pray. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.